you're here with us. We're going to continue on our series, The Mingling of Souls. And, and we've been talking the last couple of weeks about marriage and relationships. And this is kind of the sweetheart month. This is Valentine's month. And men, hopefully you've been wooing your wife and wives, hopefully you've been wooing your man in return. And so the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks, in fact, we've been talking and t- t- touching on topics such as um, attraction. And we talked about how attraction is a gift from God in week one. It's, it's attraction is something that God gave you to get attracted to someone else. Okay. It's a healthy, normal, God-given gift that is meant to be used right. Amen. If it would not be for the gift of attraction, Cheryl would have never fallen in love with me. Right? So we talked about attraction and how you have to use attraction well. And, and then in week two, we talked about conflict. And, and I, I kind of threw a spin on conflict. And I said that I think that conflict is healthy for us. I think it's good that we have conflict, especially in marriage. It's good that, that we rub off on one another. Are you with me? We've had a few conflicts in our marriage, and because of that, I am who I am today, and she is who she is today because of that conflict. I wish I could tell you I handled it perfectly, but that didn't happen. That's not the case. But conflict was something that God used to mold and shape each one of us because, remember, the Bible says he took the two and he made them one, and without any conflict, I just don't see how that happens, right? And so then last week, we had Pastor Bubba here, and it was a treat. And I was glad he was able to preach on sex. And, and you know, because I just, that one's kind of awkward. And so Pastor Bubba was here and he preached on God honoring sex. And he talked about, and I felt like he did a great job. He's, he was funny. He was serious. He was revealing. <laughs> He's my pastor. And so it was a great time. And, and so I, had, I heard a couple of things when, it, when, when some of you older folks were, were hearing that we were going to talk about sex in church. And I've heard two different sides. I heard one say, oh, that's good. We need to talk about that in church. And then I heard the other side, oh, we never talked about that in church. And I got to say this. I just got to address the issue. I would rather speak the truth of God's word to God honoring sex because I promise you Satan in the world is speaking it right now. Amen. And if the church is afraid to speak it, then I'm sorry. You've dropped the ball already. Amen. I wish one of the pastors when I was a teenager would have spoke on God honoring sex. Come on. So today I want to cover the topic of romance. And so we so pastor, how are you going to put Jesus up in romance? Well, he's all up in your romance. I promise you. And so today I want to talk about romance and I'll be honest with you. I just want to kind of disclaim this from the get go. I'm not very good at romance. Okay. It just wasn't a natural gift to me. I just, these ideas don't just pop into my head and I'm the kind of guy that's going to come and surprise Cheryl. I mean, there's, there's a lot of you that are way better than I am at romance, but it doesn't mean that I quit. It doesn't mean that I didn't do it because I wasn't good at it. I've had to learn along the way, right? I got my pastor. I watch him and how he takes his wife out and how he treats his wife. And I've got friends and I see how they treat their wives, and I hear about them going to this restaurant, they go do this. I kind of go, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> it's the art of stealing. They steal every good idea you, you hear. And, but it's no excuse or no reason for me to not grow in romance. And I know now Cheryl and I are 40 years old, and some of you are going, oh, shit, baby. And 
But at 40, it's been, 40's really been a real, a, a weird transition. I, I've heard people say in all of my 30s that when you get to 40, your eyesight goes, your hearing goes, and the romance leaves, and all these other things. And can I be honest with you? My birthday, I started squinting. My birthday, I start with these insecurities like I've never had before and all these things. And so Cheryl and I are at a place right now where we just, we've run the rat race. We've tried to climb the corporate ladder. We've done all these incredible things to try and be somebody. And honestly, we're just like, forget all that. I'm done with that. And so we're at a place now where we want to slow the pace down. We want to enjoy the journey. But there's a trap we got to watch out for. It's called the trap of complacency. And we got to be careful that just because we slow the pace down, we don't become complacent or, or watch this, even lazy in our relationship and become my mom and papa sitting on the, on the recliners watching the old TV. And then we go to bed and then we wake up in the morning and we might give each other a kiss and we might not and... You follow me? We got to be careful of that. Okay? And so, I got to stir the flames of the fire. I got to stoke the coals. I got to do some things. And I'm saying I have to. She has a responsibility also. And if you're not careful in marriage, you'll start pointing out the other one's lack or inability to romance you and not focus on your inability to romance them. Right? I just want to confess something today. My wife is a very good fire builder. My wife starts every fire in our house. We love, we love having a fireplace in the house, and the wintertime comes, and I get stoked. We get the whole family. We go chop wood, stack it, do all these other things, and she's like the fire master. Okay, we, I got to haul it in. I got to do the grunt work. I get it right there next to the, to the fireplace, and she puts it in there. She does it just right, and boom. No gas, man. I'm not, it's natural. And I mean, she, she builds these incredible fires and she comes and she tends them and she works on them. And all I got to do is just keep bringing the wood, right? And she does a great job at that. But there's a lot of preparation that comes into building a good fire, right? Somebody got to go cut a tree down. So, or, or go take a tree that's fallen down. And cut it into the right sizes and then bring it over to the splitter and then split it and then stack it so that it can dry. And then you got to wait. So you got to plan ahead of time so that your wood is good when it's time to burn it, right? And so there's a lot of planning and preparation that goes into building a fire. And my wife does a great job until she hits the recliner. When she hits the recliner, she's done with the fire. No, but she does not stoke the fire after she hits the recliner. It goes from her tending the fire, building the fire, keeping the house warm to somebody needs to go poke that fire. <laughs> and if I'm in the recliner, then you know what it is. It's the kids, right? Ethan, go poke the fire. <laughs> oh, you didn't do it right. Mm. But to keep a flame going in marriage, it takes a lot of work. I just got to be honest with you. It's not natural. It doesn't just naturally flow, right? So the same fire you had when you first met is very hard to keep burning when you get a little time under your belt, right? 
And boy, it would be nice to have those flames. And it seems to me that women remember the flame a whole lot better than men do. Women kind of go, you remember what it was like when we first started dating? And then guys are going, no, I just, I don't remember. Can't remember. It's not happening. It's not registering. But women remember all the details. And so, guys, we've got to stay on our feet, right? So you've got to be careful because life can become a routine. So you have to fight the routine of knowing each other a little bit better. You've got to fight the routine of life. Come on, how many of you know we've got a lot of things going against us in marriage? Right? I mean, you've got the enemy, right? And then you've got Satan. <laughs> you know who the enemy is, right? The enemy is your flesh. He don't want to romance your wife or she don't want to flirt with her husband. They didn't deserve it. Come on, somebody. But life itself is tough and you got a lot of things coming against you, but it's not an excuse. Right? You have the grace of God to help you. And you got the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Come on. So some of you are here today and you're in different places. Some of you are here today and, and maybe your marriage has become cold. Maybe you're in a spot where you're going, man, is there any flame left at all? Maybe some of you are going, is there even a coal? I'm just being real. Some of you are there this morning. And let me tell you something. It's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. So wherever you find yourself at today, don't feel condemned because you're there. Feel rejoicing and feel full of hope because we're going to come out of that today. Right? Mm, you didn't believe that. We're going to come out of that today, right? We're not going to stay stuck. Everybody's getting pulled out the mud today. Come on. The Holy Spirit's driving a Ford. Everybody's coming out the mud. I love it when I have the microphone. You got to remember something. No matter where you're at today, you got to remember this. That your marriage is based on a promise that you gave to your spouse and that you made before God, right? It's not based on how you feel. It's not based on where you're at. It's not based on whether things are going your way or not. It's based on a promise. And that promise is what's holding you together today. That's a promise you made to your spouse that, that until death do us part. Not till I'm done, not till I don't feel like it, not till I've had enough, not till it gets cold, till death, till death do us part. And so we've made promises, and that's what's holding us together. So true love is not make me feel this way if you want me to stay. True love is I'm giving myself to you regardless of how I feel. So if we'd be honest, some of the things that are working against us are even physical. <laughs> We're getting a little bit older. Come on. You don't have the shape you used to. You got more shapes. Mm-hmm. I can remember when Cheryl found me. I used to wear, I was a bodybuilder. I used to wear these short shorts about right here. That, that, that was cool back in my day. Okay. Short. Yeah, they were about right there. Well, maybe right there. Yeah. But I had these thighs. Man, I'm so proud of my thighs. I could leg press 1,500 pounds 20 times. I was mammoth. 
And I'd walk around, and, and when, when girls would come around, I'd pop them thighs. and be like, poof, poof, poof. kind of embarrassing now, but you know what? It was fun back in those days. I thought I was something. Can I just tell you, my thighs don't look the same no more. I used to have to buy special jeans to put them things in. Now it's any old jean to work. Just as long as you cover them. And my shorts went from here to here. It's almost like capris. I mean, you got to cover some stuff up. Right? So we got a lot of things working against us. Right? You got hormones that are starting to change. Dear Jesus. The person that used to be so funny, they're not laughing anymore. Then you throw kids in the mix. We spend more time getting away from the kids. I'm serious. I'm, I was reminded yesterday I was watching my pigs. I got some mama pigs that have had piglets. And they're about four or five weeks old now. And the piglets want to nurse all the time. So the mama can't stand up and not be attacked. Right? So she does things. She'll go walk. She'll swat at them. And I go, dang, that looks just like me and Cheryl. It's like, get away. We hide in the house. He's like, where y'all been? We're like, hiding from you. <laughs> Just trying to get a little romance going. A lot of things working against us. But it's not an excuse, right? I want to tell you today that your fire doesn't have to go out. You don't have to settle for that. You don't have to settle for what the world offers you. That if the fire goes out, you can get out. I'm reminded of a story of my grandmother. Years ago when I was living back home with her, we had a fireplace. And grandma had burned the fireplace during the winter. And you know how it is in South Louisiana. It's 31 days, 60 to the next. So the next day she's cleaning out the fireplace, cleaning all the ashes out, cleaning up like we do. And I come home from work and I see the garbage can. Out in the middle of the yard, one of those big, you know, the big green garbage can. Out in the middle of the yard, and it's halfway burnt down. I'm like, what the heck happened to the garbage can? And it, it, the garbage can was always kept right, right there by the house, right? That's what we do. We put the garbage can next to the house. But I went around, looked at the house, and the house had burn marks on it. I was like, dang. When the house is a grandma, what happened to the what happened to the garbage can? She said, oh. And she would, grandma had a few words. She said, oh, and I said, I said, what happened? She said, well, I cleaned out the ashes and they were out. So I put them in the garbage can and I come outside and whoop, the garbage can's on fire. My point to that story is today you may be feeling like the flame is out and that the coals are done. But it's not done. You'd be surprised what a little bit of wind from the Holy Spirit will do in your relationship. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to open the door and let the Holy Spirit breathe on your marriage. And man, watch out. Burning down the house. <laughs> right? I mean, you're going to kick the kids out. You're going you're gonna to run from something. Something's going to happen. And so you don't have to settle for the fire going out. There's something still there. I'm telling you that today. There's something still there. Just stir it up. So I want to give you four practical ways to keep the fire going. Number one. You're going to have to pay attention. The greatest lesson I ever learned in my life is pay attention. I was raised without a father. I went to my, uh, when Cheryl and I started dating, I went to her, her house and 
her dad is like this great barbecue master, and he'd, he'd barbecue on one of these old five, 55-gallon barrels. And, and I said, man, teach me how to barbecue. He said, all right, not a problem. Step one, pay attention. It's like, pay attention, pay attention, just pay attention, boy. He told me that forever. Pay attention. And so I paid attention, and I watched him, and I learned how to set the coals, how much coals. I learned what to do with the grill, and I learned what to do with the meat and how often to flip the meat and all those things just because I paid attention. And so for us in marriage, we have to pay attention to one another. Right? You need to know when she's hurting. You need to know when she's going through something. You already know when she's mad. That's a gimme. The cabinet slammed. She's cold as ice. All these other things, right? But you need to know when she's hurting. You need to know when she's upset. You need to know when, when there's something on her mind weighing her down. The only way you find that is by paying attention. Same way with the husband. You need to pay attention. Song of Solomon says this in chapter 7. This is an incredible book. Glad I didn't read this book when I was a teenager, but it's a, it's a good book. Verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 1, Solomon speaking, he says, How beautiful are your feet in sandals, O noble daughter. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a master hand. Your navel is a rounded bowl that never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a heap of wheat encircled with lilies. Come on, somebody. See, if you read your Bible, you learn how to talk dirty to your wife. I mean, it's just good. But it's not dirty. It's like dirty good. You know what I'm saying? Y'all need to memorize some songs. Solomon, come in the house. Baby, your thighs. Woo, your thighs, baby. Your belly, girl. Telling you it's fun. <laughs> you can spice it up, right? We're talking about romance. Maybe you need to come in and not be like an old jag, old ball and chain. Maybe you need to come up with a little pep in your step. <laughs> but it's funny, up until this point, everything Solomon had ever said to his wife in this book, he starts talking about her eyes. He starts talking about her head and her face. And then all of a sudden, theologians believe that they're older now. All of a sudden, he starts talking about different body parts, which, which gives the fact that, that he's discovered something new about her. There's something else about her that's getting his attention, right? And he only discovered that by paying attention, right? So marriage should be like a treasure hunt. It should be like a treasure hunt. You should be constantly trying to discover something new about your spouse. Right? To go in and find a treasure out in the field, you have to be intentional. Right? If you're good, you bring a little, a little metal detector with you. Right? And you're kind of, I don't know how noises, I've never used one. But you go out and you, and you bring a shovel. Right? And you go out and you pay attention to what noises are going on. So that when it goes, round, round. Is that what it sounds like? You can start digging, and then what happens? You find a treasure. It's intentional. In other words, you got to think about it. You got to plan it. You got to prepare it. Come on, somebody. The greatest thing I can do for my wife is to line up a babysitter, which is easy to do now. We got in house. 
pick the place to go, set the reservations, get the hotel room and say, baby, you need to be ready by five o'clock. If I do that, it's on. That's all I'm going to say. It's on. We're going to have a good time. Right? Because when I do that, it means I'm paying attention to the time. It's time for us to go on a date. You see, I, I feel like I've dropped the ball when she has to come to me and say, okay, bro. You going to take me out of what? Right? It's too late. I should have been paying attention. In paying attention, you'll discover the things she likes and the things she doesn't like. See, I used to think my wife liked to be scared or spooked. I would come up behind her and scare her or hold her down. Don't ever hold my wife down. But I, I spooked her one time, thinking this was going to be fun. She chipped my tooth. No lie. So in paying attention, you discover what she likes and what she doesn't like. Come on, somebody. You'll discover what she likes to wear, what she likes to eat, and what she doesn't like to eat. Listen, guys, women don't always love steak and potato. They love Italian food. Pasta. With salads and breads, with the oil and the herbs. Ain't the kind of herbs I was used to, but it's it's the herbs. I'm thinking, man, what kind of herbs is this? I had to try it, I'll just be honest with you. But I didn't inhale. But they like different things, right? I wish my wife likes... Steak and potato all the time. I used to say I can't buy you clothes because I don't know what you like. Well, what I was saying, I didn't realize is I ain't paying attention. So number one, you got to pay attention. Guys, you need to you need to let her know that you're paying attention. You need to do some things that say, I'm paying attention to you. It means a lot to her. And for, for you ladies, let me give you a little secret about us men. You need to desire him with your words and with your actions. In other words, you need to start flirting with your man. No amens. Daggone it. I set you up. Check his pulse. Dear goodness. Thinking, man, I'll... Anyway. They're all in shock. Yeah, you're right. But you need to flirt with him. You need to come in instead of him chasing. See, I'm always chasing my wife around the house. I'm telling you, is it right? I mean, she's like, get off me. Come on. Stop that. Would you just give us some space? I mean, I've been around dudes all day. I'm coming in. I'm going, baby, hey, you smell good. You feel good. You look good. Something's cooking. It's good. I'm flirting. She's running. But boy, when she turns around, might fall on the floor. She needs to do some things to spice it up, right? Pay attention. If he's not looking at you anymore, wear something else. If you're wearing the same old moo-moo you were wearing when you got married, get a new one. I remember the first time I seen, I uh, can't go there. 
Somebody going to get mad at me today. I ain't going to lie. I seen this lady come outside in her moo I went, I said, Lord Jesus, Cheryl will never wear one of those. I will burn that sucker. And, she, and, if, and if she does get one past me, she ain't coming outside with it. <laughs> get a new one. Number two. So number one, pay attention. Number two, this is how we're going to stoke the fire. This is how we're going to change things up. Number two, get away. Just get away. Sometimes you got to get away from your kids. You got to get away from your house. What's funny is we're at the age now where we like to get rid of the kids and then stay home. Right? It's a staycation. Because we never get to enjoy the house by ourselves. There's always kids. But get away. If you can't go take a big extravagant vacation, that's fine. Everybody understands those things are expensive. But go do something. Right? There's all kinds of little places you can slip away for the weekend that doesn't cost a lot of money. Break the normal routine. Do something different. Stir it up. Men plan something. And all the women said, y'all dragging. Go on a walk. Go on a long date. Pay the babysitter an extra 20 or 30 bucks. It's worth it. Do something. Get away. We got to learn to redeem the time. You got to stop the madness. Got to turn your cell phone off. Come on, somebody. I saw a cool thing the other day. A bunch of friends got together and they they all stacked their cell phones on, on the middle of the table on top of each other. And the first one to grab their cell phone had to pick up the tab. Get you some of that. I can win that game. Let me tell you something. But turn your phone off. Get your head out of your phone and put your eyes on your wife, on your husband. Amen. So Solomon's wife said this, and this is, I believe this is the heart of a, of a woman. In Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11, she says this. She says, come, my beloved, let us go into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early in the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes give forth fragrance, and beside our doors are all choice fruits, new as well as old, which I have laid up for you, O my beloved. Her heart was to get away. She just wanted to go somewhere different, do something different, something, come on, new. Men, you might have to get interested in some things that you're just not really interested in, right? If my wife wants to get my attention, she can come out to the barn with me when I'm working in the barn. Seriously. Or if I'm working in the yard, just come out in the yard. You don't even have to do anything because you know how it is. If they try to do something, we're going to end up fighting because they ain't doing it right. So don't do nothing. Just stand there, right? But come into my world. And for women, they just want to go and discover a new world with you, right? So get out and do something different. While you're away, work on your communication. Ask questions. So how are you feeling? But don't be condescending about all of it. Don't be smart and try to think that you're cute. Just really work on each other and how you're feeling and what's going on. What do you believe in God for? What have you been praying about? What's God speaking to you? 
What do you think of my jeans? Right? Get away. Number three, work hard. Pay attention. Get away and work hard. The greatest enemy of the fire is laziness. Come on, somebody. It's just pure laziness. You just don't want to get up and do nothing. I hear you. I understand. It's a temptation to all of us. Why? Because we work hard all week, don't we? I mean, we're out slaving, working. The, the, if your wife's at home, she's working at the house and everybody's tired and you just want to come in and you just want to crash. I understand that. But you got to work harder. You see, if nobody ever gets up off the recliner and go and pokes the fire, what happens? Everybody gets cold. Right? You got to get this. Everybody in the house gets cold. It's not just about the husband and the wife. It's about the kids too. Because you see, if you go cold, if we go cold, they go cold. Come on, because they're paying attention. You see, you're, they're in relationship 101 the whole time they're at your house. So I'm teaching my son how to chase his wife. I'm teaching my girls how to be caught. They see me in the living room or in the kitchen all the time, kissing on Sharon. Oh, you're sick. And one day you're going to catch that too. But I just want you to catch it the right way. Right? They need to say, I mean, they know about a hot date. They said, well, where are y'all going? We're going on a hot date. Oh, y'all got a hot date? You see, it's in the vocabulary, hot date. So when Virginia and Anna get kind of wooed by a little young man, that brother better come with a hot date. Right? So you got to work hard at it. You got to remember there's people watching. You gotta, somebody's got to get up and stoke the fire. It's not just her responsibility and it's not just his. We each have a responsibility to stoke the fire in one another. Come on, somebody. You got to do something. You got to work hard. You got to get out of yourself. And I want to tell you that your relationship with your spouse, by the way, is more important than your work. You see, you got to remember your priorities. Your priorities are this. Let me tell you again. First and foremost, your first most important priority in life is your relationship with who? With God. Your second most important priority on this planet is who? Your spouse. Your third is your? I don't know where work comes in. But it's so funny how we can a lot of times put work before the top three. Right? Got a busy day. Can't get up and spend no time with Jesus because I got to get to work. Work hard all day. Come home. Can't talk to the wife because I got to crash. Right? Sometimes we give more to other things than we do to the right things. Right? Let me give you this. Denying the condition that your marriage is in or the condition of your flame is just foolishness. Don't sit here in denial today and think that everything's all right. And this is what's funny is most guys are going, oh, we're good. I can go ask any man in this room, how's your marriage? Oh, we're good. What if I ask your wife? Well, Pastor. Uh, she'd say it's good. Right? You know you're loved when you got a pastor that calls you. You say, hey, man of God, how you doing? Good, man of God. Let me talk to your wife. Huh? I want to talk to your wife. 
I can tell her. And he gets on the phone and he goes, Cheryl, is Jamie treating you all right? Is he loving on you? Is he, is he respecting you? Come on. My pastor loves me. Loves me enough to call me and get to my wife. So don't deny where you're at today. Because when you deny, you stay the same. Right? So number four, final one, I believe really the most important one is to delight in each other. You got to take delight in one another. In other words, you need to enjoy one another. You need to have fun. My wife is hilarious. She keeps me laughing all the time. And in every situation, she always has something funny to do or say. She, she is my best friend. When we were first married, I had a best friend and had no more room for another best friend. But as our relationship grew, she outlasted, outgrew, outloved all of my other best friends, and she is my best friend. If I go somewhere, it's like I'm leaving this week for six days, I'm going to miss her the most. And she's going to miss me the most. She's been bragging because she gets the whole bed to herself. But I know the truth. The truth is that she's going to call me Monday morning. Girl, I couldn't sleep last night. Why not? It's cold. And there wasn't no dip in the middle of the bed. I slept flat for one time. And I'm going to be like, man, I slept good. Whatever. I want to kind of wrap it all up with this story about Billy Graham. Read an incredible story. I actually saw an interview of Billy Graham. Him and his wife, Ruth, were married for 64 years. An incredible marriage. Incredible family. Highly respected. One of my heroes. And, and it's 2007. His wife had just passed away, and they're doing an interview with him. And I just happened to click on, and I saw it. And they, they were asking him about the last days when Ruth was with him and this and that. And he said, so he started talking. And he said, you know, I, because of health reasons, we had to live we had to sleep in separate bedrooms because she had something and I had something. He said, but it never stopped me from sneaking into her room and holding her and talking with her. And he said this, he said this, and I thought this was very profound. He said, and it was kind of actually caught the guy interviewing off guard. He said, you know, we were more intimate in our last days than we ever were before. And I went, wow. They kept the flame going to the very end, right? More intimate in your last days when you can't do anything physically hardly. More intimate. And intimacy is more than sex. Intimacy is being close to one another. It's being in close proximity. When you're intimate with God, it's being close to God. Where you can hear a whisper. Come on, somebody. You can feel an emotion. Right? When Cheryl and I are close to one another, if she gets the frisons, I can feel them. Right? That's called intimacy. And him and his beautiful wife of 64 years ended well. And I go, man, that's my hero. That's the story I want to leave. I want Ethan to get up one day at my funeral and go, I can tell you one thing about my daddy. He loved my mama. And my mama loved my daddy. And they were madly in love to the very end. That's the testimony I want my kids to say about me. That's the legacy I want to leave them. 
I want my son to know how to treat a woman and treat her right. And I want my girls to know how to be treated right. Amen? Because they're watching. And they're watching. I bet if the Grams could come back and tell us today, I bet they would say it took a whole lot of change to get to where we were. And I got to agree with him. We're going to be married 18 years in a couple months. Dated for four, so that puts me at 22. 22 years we've been together. And there's been a whole lot of change that took place. You've heard my stories of me, of us fighting and me getting up, getting mad, storming into the living room and telling God he needs to change that woman. (laughs) And 15 minutes later, I'm laid out on the floor repenting. Lord, please forgive me. Here's the thought God gave me this morning. Every time I pray for my spouse, I change. And I went, why is that, God? He said, well, I made the two one. So when you're praying for her, you're praying for you. And you're both going to change. So we're called to enjoy one another. You need to let down your guard and let down your pride and you need to ask your spouse, what am I doing that's irritating you? Am I doing something that's dishonoring to you? Am I hurting you? Am I doing something you don't like? And then you need to communicate that with one another in a nice, safe, healthy environment because that's where change takes place. I would rather change that way than to be screaming at each other till midnight And nobody gets any sleep. Right? Why can't we be proactive and come around and say, baby, what's going on? Where are we at? And dare to ask the questions, am I loving you right? Are you feeling love from me? Amen? Delight in each other. We need to learn to look through the lens of grace. And delight ourselves in one another. I'm not perfect. Cheryl can testify. If anybody knows my flaws, she does. If anybody's ever looked past my flaws, she has. Amen? Look through the eye, through the lens of grace. And discover what's good about your spouse. And enjoy one another. Amen? That's how you keep the flame going. Pretty simple, right? Pray for one another. Lay hands on one another with good intentions. Right? And then you may lay hands on one another. Let me tell you, my wife loves when I pray for her. Brings security. I take authority over my family. I hate to leave the house and come home and the devil done wrecked the house. You good? You ready to go? Fan the flame. Bow, chicka, bow, bow. Come on. It's time to get it on. Get your mind right. I'm talking about romance. Stand up with me this morning. Oh, Lord. Some of the things we say. I was praying for you this morning and I just, actually, I was praying for you last night. It was kind of a goofy thing. I was in the shower praying in tongues and just going at it, 100 miles an hour in tongues. It was loud. And 
<laughs> my wife thought something was wrong, so she come running and bust the door open and like, baby, I'm in the heavenly, I'm in the, I'm in the, the holy of holies, and you busting them. I'm, I'm good. Leave me alone. And I'm praying, you know, and, and I just saw you when I'm praying. And I saw this. I saw the enemy had you beat down. I saw laziness gave way to complacency. I saw a lot of people with some cold temperatures in their family. A lot of marriages struggling and a lot of things going on. And and I saw the enemy just standing there very subtly just continuing to pour water on marriages. You see, the enemy doesn't come in and he doesn't just, bam, wreck your marriage. Sometimes it happens that way. But he's more subtle. And he wants to come in and piece by piece, little by little, get you to, to, to float almost into this place where one day when you actually look up, you go, huh, how did we get here? And I want to tell you something. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that you enjoy one another. So I want you to hold your spouse's hand if you're here with them today. And I want you to know this, that you may have an enemy working against you. May, you may be fighting your own flesh and you may be fighting the, 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 just the struggles of life. But let me tell you something. All of heaven, the, the principalities of heaven are fighting over your marriages today. All of heaven is warring for you to win. And you know what it looks like when you win is when you enjoy one another. And you walk around with a little chip on your shoulder like this is my baby. Right? I love her. And the only way you can say that is when you take care of business. Right? When you have those hard conversations. And you change and you own what's yours. And you pray for one another. And you stand up from, from being on your knees in prayer together. And you stand up built up in God. And you walk out into this world a strong marriage. Which, let me tell you something, is a rare commodity today. People, people know how to stick together, but people don't know how to enjoy one another. Right? I want to be the old man that's madly in love with his wife. That when the young folks see me, they're a little bit embarrassed but a whole lot envious, right? And that's what I want for you. And so I just wanted to give you that, that all of heaven is fighting for you. God is on your side. Your marriage is built to last. It's built to enjoy. Enjoy it to its fullest because this is the relationship that stays till death do us part. Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for every marriage represented in this room, Lord. I thank you for every marriage that is going to come out of this. I thank you, Father, that no matter where we found ourselves today, you lifted us up. You breathed life into our bones. You, you've stirred the flame inside of us, Lord, so that we can stir the flame with one another 
And Father, I thank you and I rejoice that all of heaven is with me. I thank you, Lord, that you're on my side and that you're with us and not against us and that you want us to have a great time in marriage. You want us to enjoy one another. You want us to laugh and to love and to rejoice together. And so, Father, I just pray that over all these marriages today, that, Lord, we would just learn to love one another, learn to enjoy one another to the fullest, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray against complacency. I pray against laziness. Father, I just pray that you just deal with us and you just encourage us to press in and to stoke the fire. And I love you and I bless you. In Jesus' name.